Sometimes you choose courage, and at other times it's forced upon you. Courage Unraveled is a podcast series where you get to listen to insights, discussions, conversations, and stories from people from all walks of life. You'll be served with dollops of courage, resilience, and strength here. So come along and be educated and inspired. You just may find new ways to flex your own courage muscle. My name is Sana Turnock, and I'm your host. What do you get when you cross an academic with chief executive adventurer? You get Dr. Erica Jacobson from Edgewalkers. Erica walks miles and miles with fellow hiking and walking enthusiasts across beautiful landscapes within Western Australia and beyond. But we don't just traverse landscapes in this interview. We cover the terrain of autoimmune conditions and specifically orofacial granulomatosis. Discover how Erica had to navigate teaching and presenting with this lip disfigurement for many years until it miraculously disappeared. It's a real privilege to be able to share these inspiring podcasts of courage with you. The work undertaken takes many hours to put together and is self-funded. Become a Courage Unraveled patron on Patreon and not only will you be supporting the podcast, you will also be helping yourself by investing in your own courage. Get access to pre-release episodes and patron-only specials. It's easy being a patron and the first tiers are less than two coffees per month. Cultivate and flex your courage muscle by signing up for a one-to-one Grow Into My Courage program and grab your very own journal. You grow your courage muscle by activating it. Listen to the podcasts, grab yourself the courage journal, sign up to the Grow Into My Courage program and become a patron. After this episode, head over to courageunravel.com. It's all happening there. Grow into your courage today. Hello, Erica, and welcome to Courage Unraveled. It is so good to have you on the program. Hey, Sana. Thanks so much for having me. Today, listeners, I'm speaking with Dr. Erica Jacobson. To give you a little bit of a background, Erica has an academic career in education and transformative learning, and she teaches creativity and innovation, as well as creativity and social change. Erica, you also are the director and chief executive adventurer of your business, Edgewalkers. That's right. So you get out and hike in nature a lot? Just a little. A little, yeah. A little, as much as I can. Well, I find that to be a very appealing business. I love what you do. Let's talk about that a little bit later today because our focus at the moment is on something that you wanted to share that happened to you while you were working in China in 2004. You developed an autoimmune condition called orofacial granulomatosis, which manifests as swelling around the lip area, yeah? That's right. How did it come about? After a lot of specialists and a lot of people looked and gave their ideas and observed, they really couldn't say why. You know, they think that it was, you know, the reason my body creates these sort of reactions is to fight off infections and things like that but there was nothing there so it was fighting something that and I think that's quite a common way for autoimmune diseases to happen you know they start to react on something that isn't there we really don't know what happened I remember I had to go to a a dentist in China for an abscess and it was sort of after that but I don't you know there's no reason why that would be the reason they couldn't really work out why I think maybe stress I mean things over time in the end, it sort of felt like a psychosomatic condition because there never was found any reason over 10 years, you know. 
I was just thinking whether stress played a factor or whether there was an emotional response to something, especially like, you know, you lived in Australia and then you, you went to China. Was there lots of stress around you with going overseas and working overseas? I don't think so because that's what I love to do. I don't think it was a stress of being there. I think maybe other things going on. My mum was very sick at the time and... I don't know. I've done a lot of work on this stuff on my own and I don't think, you know, it's a place to sort of share some of that. But I think, you know, issues to do with my mom being sick, feeling of guilt. There's so many different ways of interpreting the way it started was so mild. And then it really became deformity on my face, you know, for a couple Mm -hmm. of years. And it was, you know, quite a thing to sort of deal with, I suppose. For me, it, it was anyway. Apart from the symptoms of swelling, were there any other symptoms? No, there were, there were no symptoms at all. I sort of remember starting to feel a little bit of a swelling and a little bit of irritation and it just went away and then, it, you know, a few weeks later there was something else and then six months later there was a little bit of a lump and then, you know, it just kind of grew like that and by the time it came to the fifth year, the bottom lip, and it had started, it had some on the top lip as well and, and then it all had moved to the bottom lip and it just got more and more misshapen as the months went by. I think some things irritated it for sure. I didn't eat a lot of hot foods and I didn't, you know, I mean, look, I became so ridiculously self-conscious. It was terrible. <laughs> great lesson on our perception of ourselves, our great lesson in finding strength. When you mentioned vanity, how do you think you were tested in that way? What happened? When it started to happen, it was sort of like, oh, wow, I am convinced that some of my friends thought I had something done in China, which I did not, you know, it was not. <laughs> and I, I, mean, I think they believe me now, but <laughs> it started to look a little bit like, oh, that looks pretty nice, you know, wow. Oh, <laughs> Walking around. Like and then I started to notice that it was redder. There was nothing else going on except the lip just got red. And it sounds really funny. I mean, it was ridiculous. I looked like like a duck, like kind of like, <laughs> like that, you know. It was terrible. At the same time, it was a, a time in my career where all of my work just about was in front of people. I was lecturing. I was running workshops mm-hmm. with groups of people, new groups of people. So I was constantly running. I was uh, doing a lot of consulting. I was even teaching Zumba, <laughs> which every oh my you know, four times a, day, a week, I would stand up in front of people and like make them dance. And, you know, I think eventually I just accepted it, but I fought it for a long time. And, you know, and some of the medication that I had a lot of specialists look at it and some of the medication I had was full on some of the steroids that uh, I was given, you know, and I got really sick. I got really sick with the flu. I got really sick with pneumonia because it just wiped out my immune system. Once it got really bad, I would wake up, and that was the first thing I thought about. I would think, oh, maybe it went away. (laughs) And then just before I went to bed, you know, before I fell asleep, I I just thought, oh, gee, okay, well, I made it through another day with this on my face. (laughs) You talked about vanity, but what was the other internal dialogue going on for you at the time? Can you recall that? Yeah, I guess the reason I went to the Zumba class, I went to the lectures, I kept doing it, it was just, what else do you do? This is what you have to do. Are you really going to recoil from life because of this? The thing is, you know, I haven't travelled quite a lot and seen a lot of different situations around the world that people live in and conditions and things that happen to people. It's like, really? This is going to stop you? And I thought, nah, you know, no. But I have done a lot of work around it and it had a big impact. It really did. You thought that people may have been saying things about it, right? And Brene Brown has this statement where she Mm. talks about 
the stories that we tell ourselves. Have you got this dialogue that you had in your head or the story that you told yourself and then when you spoke to someone else about it, it was it was different? Well, look, I think, yes, maybe there was a combination of that, but there was no way that you could avoid noticing this. I remember this is a really funny story because my brother-in-law would make fun of me and, you know, we had a family joke about it and it was, you know, it was great because I could, you know, share with them and really tell them how I felt but at the same time make fun of it, you know, and see the funny side. But I remember I went to a conference in Auckland in New Zealand and it was terrible. We were trying everything and I just had this iron infusion. And so what it did is it made it worse. It was not only swollen, but it was really red and all around it, the skin was really red and angry, you know. And I was walking through Auckland going, oh, you know, really? And there was a whole block of this same poster stuck for, I don't know, like for ages. It felt like 100 or maybe 200 metres of this block. It said, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares. And I just thought, you know what, nobody cares. And and that was, it was quite funny because it was one of the worst outbreaks of it. You know, it just got so red. I gave my talk and it was all okay. I'm sure that I'm the only person that ever thinks about that again, <laughs> ever. That's a great story. That was a very good message, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. The universe was telling you something. Nobody cares, nobody cares. Do you have any flare-ups? No, no, nothing. It's gone. It's gone. Amazing. It's just gone. Nothing. The other worst day of it was the day actually that my mum, we had a bit of a, not a funeral really, it was more of a celebration and we had it and that day it was really, really bad. And then a few months after that I, I had applied for a job in China, you know, teaching at this university through New Zealand and I got that job, I went to China, and within the month, it had gone down. 2004 to, yeah, till 2014. Mm. You mentioned that you believe what this taught you was it gave you strength to endure and persevere with projects, ventures, and ideas. Do you think it gave you the strength and even the daring to set up Edgewalkers? Definitely I think the whole experience contributes to everything. Just not thinking that it's an obstacle that something isn't exactly as you want it right now. You know what I mean? Like you you have an idea of what you want and maybe there is something, somehow there's no way you can imagine how it's going to happen. I could never imagine how this was going to go away because I tried everything. I don't know. I think sometimes we just have to let things be and let things run their course. And I think that's what this was. And I think that's the same. If a business is going to succeed and you're doing everything and you stay with it, that's how I see Edgewalkers at the moment, you know, that we're getting there now. Absolutely. It sounded like you surrendered to it, so you accepted it. And you can also do the same thing with a business when perhaps there are really strong issues. And I guess the surrendering, the, the most pragmatic example I can give for many people now is going through COVID-19. You get to a point if you have a freak out about it or if you feel pressured and you end up going the the opposite direction which creates more stress but if you surrendered that you're not alone in this many Mm. many other people are going through a similar thing and can you adapt and can you pivot 
hopefully that would make one think more clearly mm. whilst you are surrendering to the situation. You know, you're, you're just sitting in that bowl of acceptance or that, or that state of acceptance yeah. for a short while. I just see the correlation between what you were just talking about with your immune condition and also then the link with COVID-19. Walkers is a tourism-based business. The tourism industry in all countries was almost decimated. And mm. I know where I live, some tourism businesses closed overnight. They were forced to close. That's a shame. Yeah. So I guess you've been lucky in that you live in well, the business Edgewalkers is in Western Australia. The local travel market is still viable. What was going through your mind with regards to the survival of Edgewalkers when COVID-19 hit? Oh, look, we survived as well because I had an income from teaching at Murdoch. Edgewalkers received some of the stimulus package. But before we did, I was just refunding people and thinking, okay, oh my gosh, Edgewalkers, you know, because I was so full of like knowing that this was the right place to be and that this, you know, the, the company was going really well. It was growing, you know, our financials were showing that things were really going well. And, and then boom, you know, this thing happens and I'm, I'm just refunding and refunding. And thinking, oh my mm. God, you know, if I keep going like this, I'm just going to be in debt. <laughs> and then I was, I went, okay, to recover this, I'm going to have to get another job doing so. You know, I just started to dream, kind of, you know, make scenarios up in my mind about what I would have to do. And then when I, we did get the help, it was just like, oh my gosh, it just gave me this injection of energy and commitment. It's also, I think, you know, pivoting. I like to see it as kind of tacking, you know, because the goal is there. There's the goal, you know, the bay and you're going to that particular pier. You're in your sailing boat, you know, and there's no wind, right, because normally you go with the wind and you go straight for the jetty, but there's no wind. So you have to tack. But because you're going in this direction or in that direction doesn't mean that you're not going towards the same place that you were going to before. So it depends really what you've got a business for. You know, if you've got a business and it's just this this sort of form of employment, then sometimes it's better to just work for someone else. But if your business is part of how you want to live your life, then, you know, there's something about creativity that we teach at Murdoch. I remember saying to students many, many times is that one of the key components of people that are being creative when they're being creative is the ability to hold uncertainty. So they step into this place, they do, they take this action, and then you go, okay, what's going to happen? Boom, and you hold it. And it's been a bit like that with edge walkers, you know, holding it in this direction, holding it here and there, and seeing where the business itself wants to grow, you know, like letting this new entity that is a company be driven by the different forces that affect it. I mean, under the direction and the values and the mission that obviously that I give it and the people that mm. work at it now. We have two new people that are involved with us now working. So I guess that, that was holding this disease, this uh, temporary ailment, you know, that was there. It felt at times that it would never end. But I had in my mind, I did have this sort of voice going, it'll, it'll pass, it'll pass, it'll pass. <laughs> I mean, mm. it has to pass. <laughs> it will pass. It will pass. <laughs> I think it's a good correlation, hey? There's a good parallel between COVID-19 and what happened in terms of that, that physical ailment that's now gone away or perhaps has, you know, is laid dormant as autoimmune conditions can do. Yeah, if it was there, you know, because sometimes psychosomatic 
ailments can just disappear as well. Oh, absolutely. I have no doubt about that. As far as running a business is concerned, what have you learnt about yourself? A couple of things. I think what I've learned about myself is that just like everything else, you get good at something. Like running a business, you've got to get better at it, you know, so you start not knowing much, but you still have to go and do it. So it's great to study, it's great to read, it's great to be informed, but it's actually in the action of doing it that you learn, oh, okay, yeah, I've got to pay myself. Oh, yeah, okay. So like it's really not a business until I'm paying myself, that kind of stuff. And how would I be managing the money or just learning everything and doing it better every time I've learned I'm really impulsive. So I have to know that I'm impulsive. So sometimes that's really good because it means that I don't think too much about it. So I'm not always in my head going, oh, all the ins and outs. I just try it. But sometimes that means that I might take steps towards something and not be quite ready for it. So I think knowing that about myself has been really important. That's one thing that I think is really clear. You know, like I can be really impulsive, but sometimes that's good. Sometimes hang on a second, just think about it. Don't say it now, say it later or something like that. It can be small things or it can be bigger things. But I think that's something that I've learned about myself. I always think to myself that I'm not very good at finances or at handling, working out money, but actually I really am okay. Definitely grown. And also there's a sort of, there's an intuitive knowing about This is about how much we can discount this, or this is about how many people we need to get to make this happen, and then sitting down and actually doing the math. So it's good to have an intuitive idea, but it's always also good to go and sit down and do the numbers, you know, and also um, getting uh, advice from people who know how to do things. Getting a bookkeeper was one of the best things that I've done ever, because even though I'm paying somebody else now to do something that I used to do, They are doing it so much better. (laughs) It has taken so much stress off me and it's actually working for me. So what I'm paying her actually makes me money or makes the company money. Yeah, saves you time and also allows you to do the things that you enjoy, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the things that I've already got better at, she's so good at it. She loves the world of finance and bookkeeping and figures. Yeah, yeah. What about facing your fears, like walking through the hallway of fear, you know, what's waiting on the other side? Has it helped you with that level of uncertainty? I think so, yeah, I think so. I mean, there were times when I had to stand in front of a class and, you know, there were so many times when I stood there thinking, oh, my gosh, I am so, I just looked ridiculous, like my face is so deformed and I just, I had to go, well, I can't see it. <laughs> I'm just going to do what I have to do, right? A fear of being rejected, I suppose, is a big thing. I mean, not that many people are so mean that they're going to not talk to you or not share with you or not include you because you have some deformity. So maybe it gave me some insights into my own perception of my own beauty. I was still me and then understanding other people through that understanding of myself. I'm still learning from everything. (laughs) I hope when I die, I just don't ever want to feel so sure about anything that I think this is the truth, you know. I cannot say for certain that something's this or something's that. I just don't have that sense either about life or the Mm. the big questions. Let's let's change tack. You say that your mum was Mm. a very courageous woman. Why is that? Oh, look, my mum 
She was fantastic. You know, she was a young mom. So she had me when she was 19 years old and she was married to my father who was, I think, I think he was 22. And it was a very, you know, it was a, a religious country, Venezuela, where I was born. It's a very Catholic country. And they had their issues. My parents had their issues as young parents and so on. And they separated, you know. And my mom bore the brunt of being a single Catholic woman, a divorced Catholic woman. And she was self-employed. She did a number of jobs. She was always putting on events. And she was an astute, hardworking, and really creative person. She made things, she problem-solved in such a great way that she always found a way that the solution that she would have thought of at the beginning, the one that she thought of after the problem came, was even better. She was also very supportive, you know. She believed in everybody being able to do anything. And the message I heard a lot in my life is you can do anything. And messages like that, they stick, you know. What we hear as children is important. She then demonstrated it, you know. What did you learn from her, that you're similar I learned from her, it doesn't matter if you make a mistake. It doesn't really matter that much if you get it wrong. (laughs) And that's what I think a lot of my students fear that. And I know that that's one of the things that makes them so resistant to creativity at Murdoch. Because, you know, I find that a lot of students are very resistant to creativity, even though they've signed up for this unit. And it's that fear of getting it wrong, being ridiculed, being the one that, you know, everyone remembers that did the belly flop, you know. Oh, they did the belly flop. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, but two people didn't even get in the pool. You did the belly flop, but you got in the pool. I think that was a way, you know, that mum lived. She made some mistakes and she did a few impulsive things that perhaps weren't the best, but a few of them worked out, like coming to Australia. (laughs) That's a big one. Did you ever have the opportunity to do a belly flop together and have a bit of a laugh about it? Oh, no. Actually, I was reminded of her. I just did a a little road trip up to the Pilbara and back through Mikathara and Kew and Mount Magnet. And I remember when Mm -hmm. I first went up to Derby in 2008 to work up there in the Kimberley, mum came with me and we went through Mikathara and Kew and we stopped and had a coffee in Kew. So she really loved the road trip. And uh, so we got to do that. And I'm really grateful for that. That was a really great opportunity to spend time with my mum eating on the side of the road. Just the two of you? Yeah, just the two of us. She came all the way to Derby with me. So I reckon she would have been on that trip with you this time too. Beautiful. Can you define courage for me in your terms? Courage is, it's a kind of love. It's like a kind of love. It's like saying it's okay, whatever action this is, whatever result this action is going to have, it's okay, I'm going to love it or something. I, I don't know. It's something like that. Are you courageous? I think I am in some areas and in some areas I've become a little bit more closed off, yeah. Do you think that's the adult in you? I think, yeah, maybe, maybe in some areas like, for example, now I don't think I would go and work overseas but it's not because I'm scared of it but it's just I don't really want to anymore. I've worked in so many different places. I don't think there's nowhere in particular that I would really want to go and haul everything out over to another country. I was just thinking that for me, you are really courageous in starting up a business like Edgewalkers. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of, okay. there's a lot of travel involved and initially you started out on your own and you still go and do, you know, like recently you just got up, left to go up north and just spend a month by yourself. <laughs> and that takes a lot of courage for some people. For someone like yourself, 
maybe you don't even think about it because you've been so used to traveling but for others that's on a courage life list you know or what some people would call you know the bucket list to do this by myself whereas you do it all the time you know what I mean well I see what you mean now okay yeah so for example that doesn't scare me that doesn't it doesn't pose like a challenge to me I mean there are times when I wish I was a bit more courageous to sleep like while camping somewhere for example you know there are places that I won't go if I'm on my own and that's just out of self-preservation I'm scared of being in a situation that is going to put me at risk I suppose you weigh it up and you go okay is it courageous is it crazy you know or (laughs) is it wise yeah (laughs) yeah so I think those kind of things you know in those sort of situations I do think in that way but for example to go and do this I see it as something so easy we get in a car and you can drive there and then it's just a matter of time and petrol and you just get there and everything's in English and you just go and see what you want to see. And I think it's a really great practice, spend time alone doing something that puts you in a situation that is unknown or uncertain, you know, where you just have to work it out on your own and you've got time free that isn't given to other people. I'm very lucky, I I, I suppose, lucky in a way and not in another. I mean, I'm single and I don't have children. So I can go and do this, you know, like (laughs) I can be as selfish and as self-indulging as I like. But we don't, though, even as a single person, you know, to go out and, okay, here I am. Here are the flowers that I wanted to see. Okay, this is, is it, this is, oh, my gosh, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Oh, wow, that feels good. And it's not like oh, I feel guilty because I'm not doing it for them. There's a lot of people that in a lot of conversations I hear where there's a feeling of not being able to take time out for yourself or not be able to stop giving the time to others because they need you. And those are real situations, you know. So I suppose there's not just also the thing about courage, it's the thing about the freedom. I need courage to do that. (laughs) It's really making you walk through the hallway of being uncomfortable, even fear. (laughs) The hallway of fear and, um, yes, discomfort. This is what I love about courage is Mm. that one person's Mount Everest is going to be another person's walk in the park. Yeah. You know, it's so so subjective. It's so subjective. And as long as I think people have that understanding about courage, It's not about putting pressure on yourself at all, but it's to really understand your discomfort, to sit in that space of discomfort. And Mm. I'm not talking about life or death situations here. I'm not talking about that at all. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, that's obvious, you know, just other things. Look, I would like to say thank you so much for being on Courage Unravel today and sharing your insight, sharing a little bit about edge walkers and, and also your autoimmune condition. I think there was a good correlation. We were able to juxtapose the two. This is great what you're doing, talking to people about things that they've overcome, the hurdles. I just really hope that whatever people have gone through, the adversity, the challenge, mm. even if it's one person, if it's going to change something in them to go, you know what, I've got this, this has happened to me, but listening to Erica's story, now I'm ready to just get up and, mm. and give it one more try mm. or, or to overcome whatever it is that, I'm going through. If I can do that and make a difference, then I've contributed something, you know, mm. by being on this earth until it's time <laughs> for me to turn into dust. <laughs> and on that really positive note. I know, I know, I know. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Take really good care of yourself and we'll talk again another time. Thank you for being on Courage Unraveled. My pleasure. 
Erica is such a great example of grit, perseverance and courage and how one person's Everest is another person's walk in the park. Don't you love how she finds it easy to take herself away on adventures? Erica's story of the autoimmune condition orofacial granulomatosis is a great example of how mindset plays an important role, whether you are a victim or victor over your own circumstances. Erica, when I hear the phrase, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares, you know that I'll be thinking of you with a smile on my face. To get in touch with Erica, please visit courageunraveled.com forward slash podcasts and you'll find the details in the show notes. To find out more about Grow Into My Courage program, head over to courageunraveled.com to find out more. Thank you for listening wherever you are and a big hello to Belgium listeners. If you like what you hear, please leave a Google review or review on your favourite podcast channel. My name is Sana Turnock and I'm your host.